1: Welcome back my friend to the show that never ends It's the latest episode of The Still Time The AFTN Soccer Show Broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM I'm Michael McCall And Zach is not with us this week He's away on his holly bags So we've got a great replacement All the way back from down under G'day Cobber It's Harjit good
0: G'day mate, how are you going?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you for giving up your sleep. I know you've you've struggled with a jet lag. Yeah, it's not
0: been great. I think today's Wednesday, so
1: that's good. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't know what day of the week it is most weeks anyway. So, I mean, you've got a, an excuse. I've just got old age. But how how does it feel to be back in Canada, coming back to all the smoke the hazy days are are you missing australia already
0: it's good to be back home to sleep in my own bed and smell that fresh clean air outside (laughs) i finally got some groceries because i was out of biscuits uh yeah it's just nice to be back home and not having to do like a million things and running around from here to there and practices and training and press conferences and shuttle buses and it's just nice to be situated and have like a nice quiet routine starting up again well we'll we'll
1: talk about the women's world cup in this we'll talk women's soccer i've got an interview coming up with even Mejia from vancouver fc and we'll talk a little bit white caps at the end of the show as well before we get into any of that i want to find out some more about har's trip let's see if she can stay awake during the whole recording i'm not sure that she can we'd have had this out a couple of days ago but she just keeps falling asleep for. How long did you sleep when you you landed? You land you landed at nine forty five.
0: Yeah, and then I was just gonna sleep until like midday, and I slept till four, so that wasn't great. Wow, I and mean, your, your body obviously had, needed it. I had two naps yesterday, and then this morning I was awake at five for no reason,
1: oh, and then no. I went back
0: to bed till like eleven, so.
1: Well, I like my afternoon naps, I've had that. I've got a coffee to keep me awake and no chocolate digestives, but I, I do have a, a chocolate hobnob. Yeah, you're a
0: hobnob, all right. Yes. I,
1: I, I haven't have had any it.
0: naps today, so that's been pretty good.
1: Wow, I've had more naps than you. So, yeah. I, I mean, we we chatted when you were on the the last time from down in Australia. I was I also
0: very tired on that occasion. You were, well.
1: because it was, what, 3 a.m.?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, three M eternal great song by Scottish band KLF. Check that out. Sure. I, I'd asked if you'd had any tim tams, if you'd thrown any shrimps in the bar, But You hadn't, have you? Had a tim tam while you were down there?
0: No, they have them at all the supermarkets and grocery stores, but we have them here, so I'm
1: not. Yeah, ah, uh, they are very good, and I mean they're 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 not chocolate digestive level. I had the
0: white, they had the white Twix chocolate bar, which I quite enjoyed.
1: Oh, I think we had that here as a special edition. With the tim tams, you, the the tim Tams slam is where you use it as a straw and you suck your drink through it.
0: Yeah, I heard about that.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a big it's the thing, thing there. I I, I don't like see tim tams. They
0: custard creams now. If they had custard creams, I would have been very. I'm impressed. surprised it didn't
1: because
0: they it, have Jemmy Dodgers and all these. Yeah,
1: because there's there's obviously a big expat population there from the UK, and like we we were talking a. Uh, a little bit before recording about like tv shows because regular listeners will know how much i love my yeah. australian and, and new zealand tv shows and i'm glad to say that you were enjoying the tv down there
0: i was i enjoyed the crude humor the off color jokes you just don't get that in canada yeah. very
1: that's what surprises me because it's like we're all commonwealth countries but yeah. Australian, New Zealand's very much got that UK style humour, lots of swearing, very inappropriate jokes, whereas yeah. here, it's more no. Americanized, and folk are a lot more sensitive and delicate.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't get those shows here. I think people would get accustomed to it. I think yeah. they would be very successful, but I don't know why they're not airing.
1: Well, I mean, the amount of shows that we've done over the years, at the end of it, Zach said to me, oh, f- folk's going to complain about that. And no one ever
0: does because they're used to
1: you. Yeah. They know the show. Yeah, they've got used to to the shit that we bring. But it's like a couple of good comedy shows. The Cheap Seats, have you been paying Mm -hmm. attention? I always recommend folk check that out. And you got into a drama down there, which I haven't watched yet, Bay of Fires. I'd read the blurb and it hadn't sounded very, like, gripping. I only watched,
0: like, an episode and a half, so I'm not familiar because I couldn't figure out what day it was on
1: ah right because i was going to say would you recommend it because i might yeah might i would have, like, on my the download I site.
0: there's like an eye player you have to figure it out i didn't have time for that nonsense
1: <laughs> what What about finding a coffee after three o'clock did you manage to don't get one don't
0: get me started on that no and if you do get a coffee or a latte it's this really small cup of tea it's smaller than the size of my phone it's not even that tall it's ridiculous
1: I've got a yeah, nice that's big coffee.
0: A proper, that's a proper size—the one that you have right there.
1: Yeah, th- this is what you want at nine o'clock at night, when you want to have a decent sleep.
0: I just like that during the day to get me started, you know, my London funk. Yeah,
1: what what were your highlights then? Like aside from the the football, what what were your highlights? Because you d- you got to do a bit of sightseeing, and you were traveling. I was going to say you weren't really traveling all over, but you you went to Perth, didn't
0: you? Yeah, I went to yeah. Perth for Canada. So Canada's
1: you're like the East. other side of the country and you were in Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Gold Coast. Yeah. What What, what was your favourite?
0: I pretty much liked all, all the places that I went. Maybe Melbourne I could have done without 12 days there when it was cold and rainy and windy and frost advisory. So maybe Melbourne not as much. But yeah, every, everyone was really friendly. It was a beautiful country. There's lots of great scenery, lots of. Uh, welcoming people lots to do easy to get around lots of transit so I would say the whole trip all the places I went to were just fantastic
1: and have you come back swearing like a trooper
0: yes but that's not new that's no not that's true new for me, you know?
1: awesome once we get together for a coffee that's going to be a lot of fun then
0: yeah I have so to remember that we don't use those words here people well I, I do yeah, you do.
1: Some of them may feature in our our songs that we that we're bringing this episode. We'll we'll see how they go. Let's get talking about the football then. Now the twenty fifteen World Cup here. Yeah. Was that yeah. your first World Cup, Women's World yeah. Cup? Yeah. yeah. So you were at France in twenty nineteen, and now you've been at yeah. this one. So it's the la- you've been to three in a row. How did yeah. this one compare to the other two? Not in terms of football, because we know that was good, and we'll come at that in a sec. But just the organization of it and just the logistics of it because they had the fan fest which seems to yeah. have been a massive success
0: yeah the fan fest were a huge success even when australia wasn't playing games they were still very full and very crowded i believe they set records for attendance and people are going to them they had to turn uh fans away at some of the sites so they were a massive hit they were quite popular you know even just you know watching a a game like Denmark in China. I was at a fan fest for that. That was full. That had a lot of different people. So it was not just Australians and people from New Zealand that were watching. They were, you know, people, expats and other people from different citizens from different countries that Mm. were here that were watching football too. So they were a success in terms of fans attending the games. They set records for that. The crowds were fantastic. Uh, A lot of sold out matches, Uh, a lot of coverage on television in the papers radio so it was massive in terms of uh, engagement and media and fan awareness so I think that was I think that was huge I can remember in France you know just days before the tournament started you wouldn't even know there was a World Cup so I think it was organized a lot better people were friendly they they seemed happy that you were there and they wanted to help you out and assist you as, as best they could. The shuttle buses were great, getting to the stadium, the communication, the signs, uh, even having food for the media, which is a big thing. So that was great. Uh, I just thought it was, uh, yeah, it was a great tournament. It was well run and it was uh, fun to be a part of it. Oh,
1: fantastic. Because I know from from watching the shows that I watched, that everyone, all the news channels and... Oh, the comedy shows were really behind the Matildas. And there'd been questions yeah. about whether New Zealand would get the crowds, but they seemed to to get the crowds out for their games as well, which was great to see, especially with them going out so early. Obviously, Australia going so far in the tournament really helped, I, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, that was a huge surprise. Uh, I don't think we thought they would... Do as well as they did we thought maybe they would get through the knockout yeah round
1: i mean I, I told you from stuff i'd I watched canada that they felt top. really confident
0: canada did not top the group saw.
1: yeah i mean in the build-up to it and obviously teams are always going to be confident but all the matildas all the videos i watched from them they were like oh no we've got a good team we're really coming strong and i think if we talk about the football side now Zach and me have talked about this in the show, but from from me that hasn't watched loads of women's football over the years, aside from obviously the UBC and League One games that I commentate on and just Canada at the big tournaments, it felt noticeably better quality football, but also the gap between these top teams and the up-and-coming teams has reduced in canada 's case, scarily so
0: yeah, Canada's getting passed by teams aren't catching up to Canada they're passing by them and they're they're getting more momentum and you know they have leagues where their players can go and play mm-hmm. at home we, we don't have that yet in Canada, so the world's definitely catching up and moving past Canada. We saw uh, a lot of teams that uh, they were su- a surprise, yes, but they show that they can compete and they can get results on the big stage against some of these tier one teams that didn't have great tournaments like Germany and Canada, Brazil. So it's really great for women's football to have these teams competing. I know there are some question marks as they went to 32 teams. Mm -hmm. Would we see lopsided scores? Would we see teams getting demolished? And, you know, we saw a few scores that were a little bit lopsided, but nothing like a 15-0 or 10-0 or nothing like that.
1: But then you've you've got the winners got hammered in their first game, and then they regrouped yeah. and they they come back and and they win it as well. But you've had like the rise of Colombia, who were an absolute joy to watch. Did did you get to any of the Colombian games? Because the atmosphere no. in the stadium looked amazing.
0: It did. Unfortunately, I was not at any ah. Colombian games. I was at the Jamaica and Brazil game. That was a, a, an interesting one to to watch because Brazil needed to score, they needed to win to advance, and they did not.
1: Yes, that was a very interesting last few minutes and stoppage time of that one as well, as they were kind of throwing everything at them. And I think just... to
0: start, uh, four out of the six that I started with went to 0-0 after regulations. Oh. A lot of 0-0 games.
1: The hard yeah. curse. <laughs> Basically, and Morocco as well, like doing it for African football and the Arabic yep. world as well. They and had
0: big ratings at home for their games too. They had a lot of viewers.
1: Because I know over in the UK, like in England, the, the Lionesses really captured everyone's imagination there. Even though I felt they, ha- they didn't play good football for most of the tournament. I no, think they were no, really no. scrappy and really lucky to even get to the final.
0: You look at their side of the bracket; they had a much easier path oh, yeah. to the final. You look at what Sweden had to go through, and unfortunately, they came up short against Spain. But that New Zealand side of the bracket was uh, a lot tougher than I think what England had to do. And so going up against Spain, you know, they really hadn't played a lot of tough teams to get there. They played Australia, but by then, Australia was just knackered. Australia was just done for by then.
1: I, I mean, I I will say. Uh... People know I'm not a big fan of the English national teams, but they did give me some of my favourite moments of the tournament. Lauren James' stamp. I had a lot of joy out of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mary Earps.
1: <laughs> I was going to say Mary Earps in the, in the final as well, after the penalty save. <laughs> There's a T-shirt you can buy now. There's a site called The Art of Football, and they yeah. brought a T-shirt out of that, with her screaming with, F off!
0: I think Alicia Chapman had the best uh, oh yes soundbite
1: of yes that 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 is definitely the soundbite the tournament winner from from Alicia <laughs> fantastic stuff right let, let's get to to the final the atmosphere seemed great and obviously there's a lot of expats there it definitely felt there was a lot more folk there cheering on England than the, than than Spain.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. There was tons of English fans. The lionesses fans were everywhere. They went over to Manly Beach during the day leading up to the game. You could walk around Sydney, and they were just—they were everywhere. I would say it went uh, England fans, USA fans, and then Spain fans for the final. There were some Spanish fans, but not a lot. I—I don't know if they thought their team would get that far. And then you have to realize the flights and the tickets, but. The England fan, the lionesses fans, they always come through very strong, and you know they had some interesting, some interesting chants they had uh, during the pregame. You can't really, they didn't really use those after the game, but the, the stadium, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of lionesses fans. There are pockets of Spanish fans, but majority was English supporters, and you could really hear them during the anthem and during the start of the game. So the the crowd and the atmosphere was electric.
1: Another thing that England gave me as one of my favorite things from the tournament was the tears at the end of the game. I mean, it's always nice to see England players crying. I mean, they should bring out an IPA, Lioness's Tears. I'd buy a case of it.
0: Yeah, you could start brewing. I might, I might,
1: I might even just do that. But I think Spain were worthy winners on the day. They they played the nicer football. And again, England had struggled To get through that the shootout that they had against Nigeria, Nigeria looked so nervous for their first couple of shooters that if it hadn't been that, I'm not sure England would have even got through that game. And then Australia self-destructed defensively and basically handed the 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 match to England. But Spain were so worthy of that, and the young keeper Catacall.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh what. A revelation she was from the knockout stage, almost she was fantastic. She was one of my favorite players in it.
0: Yeah, she was tremendous. But I think Mary Earps had the the better game against England that should have been three or four nil to Spain because they created so many chances. And then there was the penalty for Jenny Hermosa, which was saved by Earps. And Spain just kept coming. I know Sarita switched to four at the back. At the half, and you know that really didn't slow down Spain. So England really didn't have a lot of answers. They had two chances, uh Lauren Hemp, where you know they could have scored, they could have equalized, but it was Spain's day. You just you really didn't feel like England was going to get a tie goal.
1: Yeah, and Zach and me were talking about this in the last show. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. One of the things that when I watched women's football. Especially at international level in the past, was the goalkeeper didn't seem that strong like throughout the yeah. world. But this tournament, the goalkeepers across the board were fantastic. It seems to have been a an area of the game that's really, really improved.
0: Yeah, the the keepers, the player from the keepers have been fantastic. You thought maybe, oh, well, they might just put the tallest player in net or the most keeper that moves the best, but now. You we're know, having goalkeepers that are all shapes and sizes and they're able to get across and the foot works fantastic and they're able to get to rebounds and you know knock balls over the bar and just play fantastic so it's not just you know a handful of goalkeepers it's you know every team pretty much has a goalkeeper that's fantastic so it's really made a difference you're not seeing some of those blowouts and some of those goals goal fests that we've seen in the past so I think the keeper position was fantastic and you know uh, in the start of the tournament, we had a lot of low-scoring games to start, and so I think that was the key. Uh, I think Sweden's goalie was the best goalie of the tournament. She really put on a show against the Americans, and I would have given her goalkeeper of the tournament. Obviously, I did not have a vote.
1: You, you should. It should always be your vote.
0: It should, yeah. yeah. It should, yeah. Definitely.
1: I mean, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to to bring us this episode's wavelength way earlier. Than I usually do, because we're, we're talking about the Women's World Cup. And I've got another song about women's football that I, I'm going to bring you. Because the Lionesses didn't win the World Cup. But oh, of, course, of course, Did you know, Har, that a Scottish woman has won the World Cup? Women's World Cup? Hmm. Although, technically, it was before it was really branded the Women's World Cup. It was 1984. But it was still basically the the world cup
0: yeah i wasn't name... alive then, man i don't
1: know oh were you not
0: no Oh, jeez.
1: ah showing my age again anyway her name is is rose riley and people here most folk probably won't know anything about her she was a talented female footballer in scotland and she started in the 1960s and she couldn't play in a girls team because there wasn't girls' teams around. So she played on a boys' team and she was told to get her hair cut, keep it short, call herself Ross instead of Rose. Um, And then they started having women's teams. And then in the 70s, she was at the top of her game and could play professionally. But in Scotland, there were no professional women's teams. There was no professional opportunities. So her... And a couple of other players went overseas to play and they criticized the scottish football association for not offering women the opportunity to play professionally so what the sfa did in result was ban the three women for life i know it's like it's when you when you talk about that now you're like wow considering the leaps and bounds that the um, game's got across the world including those in yeah i mean it, obviously the things were very different in the early 70s but you look back at that now and she left at the age of 17 to go and play in France and she played for teams number of club teams in Italy and France and then because she was playing in Italy even though she had no family connection the women's game was different so she was picked to represent Italy as the national team and she won the Serie A golden boot twice in 1978 and 1981, she scored 43 and 45 goals over those seasons. And then she played for Italy and won what was then the precursor to the Women's World Cup in 1984 with Italy. Ooh, you As should a, have
0: her on the show.
1: She's 68 now and I would love to actually chat with her. And like the, the reason I'm talking about that is for a number of reasons. Yeah. Because obviously it's a great story. She she retired aged 40, and she won eight Serie A titles, a French title, and four Italian Cups. One year, she actually played for teams in Italy and France at the same time, and flew between the countries once to play two games over a weekend. Because the women's game was, I guess, just totally unregulated back then. So she's held up as an icon in Scotland and in the UK. They they did a play about her, which it was getting played in Fife in September last year, but I w- had left two weeks before it was on, so I didn't get to see it. But it's actually going to get turned into a Hollywood film, the story of her life.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: So for the play, the, there's a Scottish singer-songwriter called Lynnie Carson. She's from Greenock. So she wrote a song, a title song for the play in 2021. And that is my long preamble to introduce this episode's wavelength. This is Linny Carson and the song She Rose. Carson there she rose her song all about Scottish football and red legend Rose Riley if you don't know her story go check it on Wikipedia there's lots of things written about it as I say there's gonna be a film as well she is an absolute inspiration to the women's game and it's just so sad how things turned out in in Scotland for her but it didn't turn out bad for her in the end because she she lifted a, a World Cup the only Scottish player to lift a world cup on the male or the female side so it's another four years are now to the next world cup and it's not been set yet who's going to host it but i know america and mexico are in the mix
0: yeah there's four bids that are currently being thought of um, usa mexico as you mentioned and then i believe there's a joint bid between germany the netherlands and belgium and another bid uh, south africa and brazil is the fourth bid so those are the bids. I think it's in the spring, maybe in May next year. So we'll know then who's going to host the World Cup. The U.S. and Mexico bid is currently the favorite. So we'll see.
1: yeah, I kind of I'd, I'd like it not to be them because I think for the growth of the game, it's better if it maybe goes to Brazil, South Africa, something like that, especially South Africa to help grow no. the the game there. It's too <laughs>
0: cold. I don't want to go there in the winter time. All right, I'm I was
1: not... I was going to say what would be your preference? So uh, somewhere hot. <laughs>
0: Not going there
1: in the winter time again. I, I, you know, because of the World Cup in Qatar and watching it in the winter, and I really enjoyed it. It felt weird watching a World Cup again in the summer. Although for it was, you, it was the winter.
0: <laughs> it was very weird. Why are kids in school? It's July. Oh, it's it's backwards down here.
1: Okay. Yeah, but you also got a chance to go to the FIFA Congress thing that was on.
0: Yeah, I went to the FIFA convention. Convention on that was it. Friday. Uh, just one day. One day was enough.
1: I did not go on Saturday.
0: But was... I got to speak to uh, Bev Pressman. I ran into yeah. Coach Bev, so I had a nice chit-chat with her. I know, her. because
1: you were like, oh, I don't usually get to speak to her. And I keep telling you, come along to League One Games and she's there watching. You'll get to chat to her all the time.
0: On the record,
1: though? Yeah, I've spoken to her. Had On, on the, the show record. On the record, okay. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe, we'll
1: see. And I don't get any calls from Canada Soccer. No, you
0: don't. No, you don't. <laughs>
1: But I mean, what, what were they talking about at the, the convention? Was it just about the growth of the women's game?
0: Uh, yeah, they were just giving themselves a pat on the back. I went for the morning uh, one on Friday, and I did not know Gianni Infantino was going to speak. That was uh, quite a surprise. And,
1: uh, oh, he, he, I mean, he, he took credit for four, everything.
0: His four daughters opening the doors. I almost fell off my chair. I couldn't believe that.
1: Um, yeah. It, it, it always amuses me that... Guys, if they've got a daughter, their view on women's sport and everything completely changes.
0: Well, he has four of them, so yeah. he's got a lot of views. Uh, that was not that was not spoken very well. So he gave himself a pat on the back for going to thirty two teams. Uh, I was there to see kind of the coaches and see what hmm. you know Emma Hayes and Jill Ellis had to say. Uh, Carm spoke. Uh, Karina was on a panel, and Karina also hosted a panel. So I spoke to her. Oh, was point.
1: a nice picture you had with her. Oh, thank you, yeah. I really like Karina, a lot of time for her. She's such a, a fantastic She's advocate a great for the, game person, yeah. Yeah. the Obviously, there's been a lot of controversy at this World Cup for a number of things. We'll talk about Canada in a sec, but the Nigerian yeah. women were, were having issues, Jamaican women were having issues off the pitch financially. Everyone knows about the whole Spanish federation.
0: Did you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I say everybody knows. I didn't until you started tweeting stuff after the the final and I was like, "What?" And then I went back and read about stuff that had been going on and it's like cuz when I saw your tweet that you'd asked one of the players should the coach resign, I was like, "Oh, man, why can why would you ask something like that after the happiest day of their life?" And then I went back and read it and about why and it's like Oh, well, that does make sense.
0: (laughs) For the record, I did not come up with that question, and I did not translate it to Spanish.
1: Someone else did. I just
0: said, hey, you don't want to ask it? You don't want to ask it? I'll ask it. I don't mind asking. But I didn't
1: come up with a question. Oh, so we're afraid to ask. Not me. It didn't seem the right time, and her answer did seem pissed off. But then when you read about everything that's happened, as you said, if you're not going to ask... And bring bring it up at that point. When are you going to bring it up? It seems he was so... kind of
0: interesting to clean the lead up to the game. He was asked a couple of questions about the turmoil off the pitch, and his first answer he said, "Next question, please." And then there was some other questions where he wouldn't he wouldn't answer the question that was asked. And I think they only took about two or three questions in English in the in the press conference leading up to the game. The rest was from the Spanish media, and you know they didn't really touch in on any of the Difficult topics as Spain progressed to the semifinals and then the finals. You knew that. Then being in the spotlight and with all the media there, there was no way to avoid these questions, and they were going to come up to the players and, and, and the coach. And it did in the lead up to the game, and it certainly did after the game, and in the in the days after, since we've seen what's come out as well. So the heat's still on both all the whole federation. Yeah,
1: I mean, with them winning it now, though. I'm genuinely asking this, I and I, I don't know what you're going to say. I think I know what you'll say, but like, did they win it despite what has done? Or has he kind of been proved a little right in his tactics and everything because they've now won the World Cup?
0: I think it's a bit of a combination. Like, you, I guess you have to give him some credit in him and his staff. Obviously, the players are the ones that play and they put in the performance. Yeah. And they have a lot of talent. But, you know, he does the lineups and tactics. Yeah, so. but I
1: mean, that's the thing, because if a, if a team plays bad, the coach gets it in the neck. But if a team plays good, the players get the credit and the coach doesn't get the credit.
0: Exactly. But some
1: of the other stuff I read, like the girls had to keep their doors open till midnight or whatever. I mean, that's all weird because you don't know who's in that hotel. Never no. mind the federation folk. You could have an absolute, like, sex offender in the hotel that can just get into women's rooms because the doors aren't locked. So stuff like that is just
0: baffling. Yeah, the whole Federation's not looking good and they're having a meeting on Friday. And so we'll see if uh the, the president, if he resigns, if the coach goes. Mm. I don't I'm not sure because it depends on who has the support. Uh the Spanish government can't really step in because it is separate from the Federation. So we'll see plus what FIFA they do. don't think...
1: like government yeah. stepping in. <laughs>
0: I'm pretty sure Vilda's father works in the Spanish FA, so there's connections there. Oh, it's all intertangled and mingled. So well, I can't see how he stays on because they don't want him to be the coach.
2: Yeah.
0: All this heat and pressure on them, all of them. And they have qualifiers for the Olympics starting in September. They play against Sweden in the Nations League. So.
1: Oh, and all but eyes on got them, right? soon. Yeah, well, I mean, talking of Olympic qualifiers, it's like, what now for Canada? And the answer is Jamaica, off their own accord, home and away, September 22nd in Jamaica, Toronto four days later, winner takes the final spot for CONCACAF in next year's Olympics in Paris. And like on paper, before this tournament, you thought, ah, Canada should get through this quite comfortably i looked at the last two meetings february 2020 canada beat jamaica 9-0 july last year 3-0 canada beat jamaica but now jamaica look a whole different animal although maybe not one that is scoring tons of goals that said canada is also not looking like a team that is scoring lots of goals i it's just a couple of nil nils written all over this
0: Jamaica, do you know how many goals Jamaica allowed at the World Cup?
1: No. One? Ooh.
0: It set, them up, it set them packing, so...
1: I mean, obviously it goes without saying, if Canada don't get through this, it's a huge disaster, and it sets the programme back so, so much. Are they in danger, though, of not getting through this? Does Does the oh, fact yeah, it's two yeah. legs help them?
0: I don't know. I don't know if it helps them, but yeah, they're certainly under pressure. They're certainly not going to be easy. You're not going to have a cakewalk against Jamaica, the way that they're playing and the way that they have momentum. Also, you look at that Toronto game, it's sold out. Is it going to be Canadian supporters or how many Jamaican Well, that's true because when the men's media. team's
1: played there, there's been a big Jamaican Stop. turnout.
0: I think we're going to have to see if Canada can go back to their ways where they have a really strong defense and, and solid goalkeeping and then they get those one or two goals they need to progress because we didn't see that against Ireland or uh, Australia. Ireland had a really great start to the game against Canada. They scored their own goal, which helped Canada. But, you know, Canada didn't start well in their last two games. Australia just took it to them. So I think it'll be low-scoring games for sure. So it'll come down to who can get those one or two goals in that series. But Canada's got to play a lot better, and they've got to come into camp focused and ready to Go to the Olympics, and they got they have got to put what happened at the World Cup behind them. They can't yeah. be fixated on any of that. And when I talked to Bev, I asked her, you know, is Christine going to play in these qualifiers? Is Sophie Schmidt—is she going to be able to come back, or is she going to stay retired? So, you no, know, Bev hasn't had a chance to talk to Christine or, or Sophie yet. Uh, I believe she flew home to Canada on Sunday. So, are those two players going to be a part of it? And What's that kind of look going to look like for Canada as they look to get to the Olympics?
1: Well, I, I noticed Sinclair played for Portland and started the game at the weekend, but she came off midway through the first half, which I didn't check to see if it was an injury or if it was just they were resting her. or
0: I have no idea. I don't know what day that was or what time it was.
1: <laughs> but I mean, the pressures on Canada and two years ago, if you said, oh, they might struggle to get through this and be at the olympics you'd think it was crazy talk and that just shows you how much the rest of the world's kind of caught up to us now
0: yeah even not only canada but even the americans and they've qualified so
1: mm.
0: we'll see what canada can do uh I, we did see in the statement that came out that canada will be playing yes. in the windows in the fall so that was a nice surprise so that was uh, a great news um well you we'll see you say canada, it was a nice we'll surprise be in
1: but it's been arranged for a while apparently and yeah. i mean I think let's,
0: you want that
1: news out there yeah l- i mean let's get into that statement uh the canadian soccer players association which we should stress is one of three unions that cover mm-hmm. canadian players Four, really if you include the mls pa as well because they cover yeah. canadians Definitely. and MLS. you've got the professional footballers one that covers the cpl players the men of their own union and then the women have the Canadian Soccer Players Association.
0: There's um, also the Philadelphia Union,
1: too. Hey. And it's like Union City Blues, favorite song of mine from Blondie. And this statement that came out today, Hart. The bag it, of words. A lot of
0: words.
1: It was really frustrating because it's like a month has passed, or more than a month, since the previous statement where the women yeah. were saying, oh, we had to choose between... World Cup compensation or playing games in the windows uh, where we're not going to be having games in these windows and stuff like that. Now they've backtracked and said, oh, our words were taken wrongly, which is bullshit because there's only one way you could have taken their original statement. And the media pounced on that. And the media love to play on this outrage against the CSA, rightly because Canada Soccer have treated the players terribly. But you cannot issue a statement like that and then take a month to correct it when it's big, big things that you are correcting. And I I don't think the women come across well in this.
0: I don't know who wrote the statement or or who advised them or why you waited a month or how you mix up those two things, but it certainly doesn't help.
1: It does feel like... Now, I'm not saying that this is what happened, I will stress. This is my supposition as somebody from a union background. I was a union rep for 15 years. My last year in Scotland before moving over, I worked for that union. So I know how unions work. We had a good union. I did a lot of union work. There's ways to negotiate. And as soon as you go public, you have to be factually accurate. Or you can hope that the media will pick up what you say because that's what people will remember. And then it's like, when newspapers publish an article and then they correct it a couple of days later, folk don't remember the correction, they just remember the initial thing. So people are gonna remember this initial statement and not the statement they made today. So I don't know if this was deliberate or not. Very interesting to me though, that Rick Westhead hasn't touched this statement today hasn't tweeted anything about it, hasn't written an article about it, because... Maybe
0: he's on holiday.
1: Maybe, but it it goes against the narrative that he's trying to paint. It's just my thought on it. But I I think all the players, male, female, club, international, they need to get together under the one umbrella. They There's too many statements. There's
0: too many back and forths.
1: They need to have single representation, I feel. Or even if you be- don't want to do that, you have club and country. So you've got two representation. But the men and women have to work together, and the, the domestic players want to work it together. It looks
0: like there's less working together that's going
1: on. Yeah. Everyone's got their own self-interest, and obviously you've still got this horrible CSB deal that's hanging around, and until that maybe gets sorted out, I don't see how anything's going to change. But the picture isn't as bleak as the women painted it out to be, which then makes you wonder... Is it as bleak as the men painted it out to be with their statement? And then just to finish this part, talking about the men, are they going to be looking for a new head coach? Because no. At the time of recording this, John Herdman no. is the front runner for the TFC No. Season.
0: That's a bunch of crap.
1: It's going to be Herdman with Robbo as his assistant.
0: No, it's not going to be either of them. <laughs> You really think he's gonna leave to go coach that train wreck in Ontario? Come on, people!
1: I I think we've chatted about this. We both feel there's maybe a little bit of leverage there on John's part. Oh, it's his
0: form. Get yeah. the leverage, get better contract, get better resources, get another Phil Neville on stuff. Come on!
1: Like he wants more from the CSA for the team, and he needs to get more. He needs more resources. He needs so better let's support.
0: This story. Let's put this out there.
1: Yeah. Because it's like, oh, if you want to keep me, then I, I need this or I'm going to go to a club team. Yeah. Now, the danger with that is they call his bluff and go, fine, on you go. And then, will he be happy at TFC? Will he be in charge at Troy TFC Trump. till 2026? No. Is he going to give away the chance to lead a country to a home World Cup? It's, It's a strange story. And it does feel that herdman's representatives because it's interesting the athletics article said it's not herdman that approached tfc it was his representatives yeah but you would also imagine they've also got in touch with the media as well to plant these stories out there of
0: course the toronto media ran with it like,
1: like yeah it's baffling to me i mean my personal choice for tfc I mean, I, I want them to do badly because it's hilarious and they're our rivals. But if you're going to appoint someone to give them time to build something, you put Bobby Smirnyotis in charge from Forge. He's done it with Sigma. He's done it with Forge. He can grow young players, incorporate the talent, the big-name players as well. He's the only man that should be getting considered from those list of candidates that we've seen.
0: Yeah, I can't see He's going to uproot his family and... and... White Rock or wherever I move all the way to Toronto that team doesn't even have like the roster the pieces they need upheaval and a lot of turnaround so yeah I, I, I don't up- see it
1: but yeah anyway lots of drama is always in the Canadian national team we're going to turn our attention to the club scene next Vancouver FC the CPL I sat down with a chat with VFC player former TSS Rover even Mejia we'll be back with that After this. Hi, I'm Mike Dean. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
3: There's a demon in my soul, I keep him in a hole But when I feed him he grows, he's leaping out my throat Then people that I know run fleeing for the door There's a demon in my soul and he's eating me whole There's a demon in my soul, I keep him in a hole But when I feed him he grows, he's leaping out my throat Then people that I know run fleeing for the door There's a demon in my soul and he's evil it core. Need an exorcism set to withdraw But the demon owns me, cause possession's nine-tenths of the law I feel it crawling through my bones, on its way to my mind It never leaves, can he see, though I pray for a sign Please God, lead the way. I'm blind, help me embrace the divine, give me the strength to leave Satan behind. I'm kneeling at the altar an ancient shrine, screaming, take my life, it's just a waste of time. The people I've shook down, the gutters I've slept in, alienated my muckers and my neck are kin. Usually into the bucket in a naked gin, Spill the expense on the bourbon when I check checking in. Hunted my soul for a buzz, the packs are punched, tons I practice, done club, I'm smacked and drunk. Born evil, just honest when I'm scheming. Maybe it's me that haunts the demon. There's a demon in my soul. I keep him in a hole. But when I feed him he grows, to He's sleeping at my throat. Then people that I know run fleeing for the door. There's a demon in my soul and he's eating me whole. There's a demon in my soul. I keep him in a hole. But when I feed him he grows, to He's leaping at my throat. Then people that I know run fleeing for the door. There's a demon in my soul and he's evil at a core.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of August. Scottish rapper Mog from Glasgow. That's a song taken from his upcoming 10th album called X. And that's a song featuring Becca Starr. That was Demon. And some football demons were sent packing this past weekend out in Langley as Vancouver FC got their first ever Derby Day victory in the Canadian Premier League, seeing off the visiting Pacific FC from the island. A 3-2 win in a very entertaining match at Willoughby. Vancouver FC took the lead in the 11th minute, were pegged back, by two second-half goals from Pacific in an eight-minute spell midway through the half, but two goals from super-sub Gabby Batar gave Vancouver FC three big points, kept their, I think you've got to say faint, playoff hopes still alive. Bringing Vancouver FC to within three points of valor at the bottom of the CPL standings Ending the weekend still 12 points off the playoff places with just eight games left. But the feeling around the camp is they can do a late run. I don't know if they can win out, but it feels that they maybe need to to win out if they are going to try and clinch that first ever playoff berth. Still feel it's a little bit pie in the sky. It's really just a case now, I think, of finishing the season strong, getting the fans excited going into year two, And for some of the players, just showing exactly what they can do and that they do deserve to be back with this team next season. Amidst the highs of Saturday, one of the disappointing aspects, though, was the omission from the game day squad of Even Mejia. You know what big fans we are of Even here at AFTN, everything that he's achieved with TSS Rovers this season and... So glad that the 22-year-old Colombian Canadian got signed up in the summer transfer window by Vancouver FC. Just one fleeting substitute appearance for even so far. Hopefully, a few more to come over these eight remaining games. Got a chance though to catch up with even this week out at training in Langley. Just a chat about his journey to the CPL, his time with Vancouver FC so far, and what the future me hold in store. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our feature interview this episode with Vancouver FC's Ivan Mejia. I wanna fly like an eagle. First of all Ivan, nice to have you on the podcast, even though I've known you now for a few years, I think this is the first time that we've actually chatted on the, the podcast, so yeah. How are you enjoying life in the the CPL Vancouver FC?
4: Um, it's been like a roller coaster, to be honest. Uh, like, obviously, super excited for what, what's happening right now, and hopefully, it takes me to you know better things from now on. So, well, I mean,
1: you, you've worked really hard to get to where and it's—I I know it's been a, a journey, ups, downs, mostly ups. And I, I know this deal's in the works for a bit. They. Had, had you in at training, they'd been looking at you, weren't sure if it was was going to go ahead or not at, at one point, it felt. But how did it all play out in the end? When did you first know that they were interested in you? And, and what was the messaging like in the build-up to you actually signing the deal?
4: Yeah, so uh, they were interested in me, I mean, since the beginning. Uh, they kind of said that I wasn't ready for it. And I honestly agree with them because I wasn't. And it kind of changed my mind and how I think about, like, you know soccer in general and i mean i you know changed the way i trained the way i like eat and stuff like that like i got fitter like you know got ready and to kind of call me back into it and i mean it was a long process like overall it took r- super long but at the end of the day like it got it done so that's what's important right
1: yeah and this is your first pro deal which i'm imagining is like a, a boy who dream at, at what age Did you know that you wanted to be a professional footballer?
4: Uh, Yeah, so my family has been uh, like a super like soccer family for a long time, right? Like my dad played professional for about two years. It was a pretty short career for him. But it kind of, that's what got me into it, right? Like his passion for the game, like the way he used to see the game and stuff. But I think I was about like when I got into the Whitecaps program where I kind of saw what I could do. Obviously, it was a bit of like a... Difficult situation for me back there because I was new to Canada. I didn't have, like, you know, um, like a visa to travel into the States since I'm Colombian, right? Like, it's a bit different. So I couldn't travel with the team. So, I mean, I, I knew, I always knew that I could have done better, but obviously the, the chances weren't there. But, yeah, I think about 15 years old, that's when I was like, okay, like, I can do something with this, right?
1: And to sign your, your first pro deal with your local club as well, because, I mean, obviously cpl teams that have been watching you all season and how well that you've done and you could have ended up anywhere in the country but to to sign locally to be at a club that family friends like vanessa knows it was at, at yeah. your debut i mean how special was that to to be with your local club for that first deal
4: it was it was crazy it was a crazy feeling um I don't think my mom have ever watched one of my games. So when I came on the field and I saw her like kind of turn around and saw her right behind me, I was like, wow, this is this is a great feeling. So I got like goosebumps when I came on. And then, I mean, signing with the hometown club, like that's a, that's a big deal because I have so many friends and family around here and then supporters as well. Like I think at that game, I saw lots of like TSS uh, supporters and then they came out and started like singing the songs they used to sing me at, back at Swanger. So it kind of felt. feel like home right like it's nothing crazy like it's not too much difference in between
1: yeah that's one thing about tss is like they always it's always always a rover whenever you've played for them they'll they'll follow your career so you're always gonna have that which is great to see and making that debut at home i think was also special obviously it's just the, the first appearance so far but when when you got the nod from Afshin that you're going on and you're going to make your your debut what was going through your head was it was it, were you nervous did you have butterflies or could you just not wait to get on
4: uh no i was i was super nervous i was really nervous i mean it was my my first professional game right so it's obviously a special feeling um i mean the situation was a bit tough because we needed a win so bad so i came on like trying to do my best to help the team like you know uh achieve that obviously we didn't but it, I, I mean, like the feeling of, you know, constantly having uh like, you know, looking forward to it, like looking forward towards the win kind of got me like super, super excited for sure.
1: And, I mean, you certainly did not look out of place. It was a, an excellent performance that you had in the time on the pitch. Did you notice it was a, a higher level than what you've been playing at in, in League One or
4: is there not that big a jump really? Um, It's totally a bit different. I mean, for me, I kind of like. I mean, I guess I needed that few minutes to kind of see what the level is like. I mean, obviously, playing playing pretty simple helped me a little bit. You know, kind of just have feeling. Hopefully, I get a chance soon, and then obviously a bit easier for me to kind of just do what I'm best at, right? But yeah, like the level is obviously like a, a lot higher. Um, it's not too big of a gap, but there's a bit. There's a like players are more smart, and then they don't have, there's not much running. It's more like how intelligent you are to read the game, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, no, totally. And, well, we'll come back a little bit at the end to to Vancouver FC and what lies in store for the season and stuff. But I want to kind of do a little bit of a chat just about, about your journey as well. So, I mean, you mentioned you're from Colombia. I think, was it 14 you were when you, your family came over? Uh,
4: yeah, I came here when I was, yeah, 14, 14.
1: So, I mean, what what prompted them to come over? Was it just they wanted a better life and why Canada?
4: Um, yeah, so we had a bit of a tough situation back home uh, with family and stuff. Like, uh, there was a lot of, like, uh, gang stuff involved mm-hmm. to it. And, like, my family obviously said that coming out, like, leaving the country will be best for, for me because uh, it was a bit of a tough situation that I was at. Um and yeah, like uh my aunt was already here when I when we arrived to Canada. Ah. So it kinda helped us to see okay, like family, like they're in a place that they, they know is safe and is like enjoyable to be at. So we kinda just follow it, like give it a try, and then we liked it, so we just stayed here.
1: And I, I know uh you were playing with Deportivo Cali, which is obviously a, a very well known club in Colombia, and Colombia is just such a passionate footballing country. What was yeah. what was it like playing football as a youth there?
4: It's totally different. It's a different level. Um, I mean, soccer there is like the main sport. Like you, you don't see guys like playing basketball or like hockey and all that. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that, but you know, it's yeah. just soccer. Like, there's so interesting to it. Like everywhere you go, you should see kids playing around with the with the football, right? Like, which is 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 crazy. Uh, The level is a lot higher there, like everybody, you can find a million Ivans over there, even better, like, which is that crazy, right, like, um, yeah, I mean, just the opportunities, right, like, it's super tough to make it over there, so coming out here, I didn't think I was going to do as good as I did, but obviously it worked out, so.
1: Yeah, I, I think... Whenever you see, like, South American players come over, no matter what age, whether it's youth or whatever, there does seem to be that more technical ability. It seems to be focused on a a, a much earlier age than I think it is over here.
4: Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's something you learn when you are, like, 11, 12-year-olds. Like that's If you want to be in a high, like, academy level, like, you have to have that from, like, super young age.
1: Yeah, because like being from Scotland, that's something that we've lacked and it's like we don't focus on that until folk are, are too old and all they want to do is be at the big clubs and they, they don't kind of get that grounding. But then you came over here, so you had that technical ability. It would yeah. help you stand out. How did how did the whole Whitecaps thing come about? Because I know you were with Mountain United. So did they see you playing there? And when, when did they show an interest in you?
4: Um, so when I first started playing here, when I came to Canada, I actually took a break for one year. Like, right. obviously, I didn't have any friends. Like, I didn't have, like, I couldn't speak the language. So I couldn't, like, you know, see, like, oh, like, you know, there's a game here or there. Like, I didn't know what was going on. So I kind of was a bit shy as well. Like, you know, it's a bit tough to come in from from a different country as well.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, and then uh, at school, like, I was just, obviously, I had Colombian friends because that's the only I was I was, you know, trying to communicate with and we will go to the gym and then we'll just do like games at the gym and then like obviously people will be like super impressed like oh like this guy is really, really good and they come up to me and talk to me but i couldn't understand anything <laughs> uh somehow one guy actually invited me out to one of his training sessions and this was for like a, a goal team it's called south burnaby oh yeah. A, yeah yeah it's like a goal team and i was there for about like Three four months and i was just playing games and i was scoring goals like i was doing really well but obviously because i was used to the level back home like it was super easy for me well not super easy but like you know it was yeah uh, i was just comfortable right like i was i knew what i was doing and yeah i pretty much went through every level uh and then three four months later like there was a bdms coach burnaby district coach uh for metro he was watching one of our games, uh, and then he enjoyed what he saw, and then he started asking me if I can play for him as a permanent player. Eventually, moved out there, and the same thing happened with Mountain. Like they come out, they watch the games, and then they looked at me, and then so on. And the same thing happened with Whitecaps again. So it was a bit of a situation. I, I actually made it through all the levels in just one year, so it was pretty interesting. Oh, fantastic! Because I, cause I yeah. remember you signing with. The, was it just one year you had with the Whitecaps? Uh, no, I was, uh, I was a mounted for three months and I was like a training player for Whitecaps. Uh, they didn't have a spot for me ready. And then I think it was about 2016, I will say. That's when they um gave me a full position in the club, right? And yeah, I was there for about, well, without counting the training year, I was there for three years. Three fully. years? Like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: When you came here, did you speak English or did you have to learn English no, I knew here.
4: I didn't I had nothing like I had nothing on me oh wow I learned it all in like, a school yeah well
1: oh, that's amazing I, I can't imagine how difficult that that must be especially yeah. like coming over as a 14 year old as well to
4: yeah it's crazy it's great I would just go home and be on like my phone talking to my friends back home like <laughs> telling them that I'm like no enjoying it here obviously the life is different but like yeah you know you have to you know have friends and kind of socialize but yeah, yeah. that was a bit tough
1: Let's move on a, a little bit then into to with TSS because you yep. you came to play for TSS. I think last year was the first year for for League One because yep. I'd seen you playing around in VMSL, so I, I knew of you. I remembered you from the, the Whitecaps times. This year with TSS, I mean, it, it's been a, a season of highs and and lows for you personally it was a fantastic season six goals seven assists for me i'm not just saying this because i'm talking to you because i've said this to other people i believe you are the league one player of the year taking nothing away from michael henman but because the league don't count assists and no one's i'm the only one that's registered assists i don't think anyone fully appreciated what you did in that league this year i mean did it feel that you were doing something special
4: I mean, yeah, like, coming back from, like, last season, I knew there was some improvement that I needed to make, Uh, not just, like, uh, as a player, but obviously as a person as well. And I think it really helped me see, like, you know, getting called up from Vancouver. Like, um, they were interested in me, but obviously they needed to sit. They saw that I, I wasn't ready enough. That kind of, like, pushed me a little bit, and it kind of, like, got me more serious into it, and that's when I, I fully, like, let myself, like, you know, just feel free. And I think that's what helped me like do as well as I did for this season. But, yeah. yeah.
1: If we look at the other big high, obviously that Valor game, well living the memories that everyone that was there for a long, yeah. long time, what was that like? Do you still get like goosebumps thinking back to that night?
4: Yeah. I mean so nice I just go on my phone and I don't know where I just like, oh let's look back into that into that night, right? And it was it was a crazy feeling. Like I think before the game, I was, everybody was just like so nervous. I mean, in a good way, because obviously playing a professional team, like, it, it means a lot. And then we don't want to obviously embarrass ourselves, kind of. Like, that's what we were thinking. Like, obviously, we got to go in and give it all. And everybody on that team gave it all. And that's what helped us, like, you know, th- do as good as we did, for
1: sure. Yeah, I mean, I've watched, I've watched those goals back countless times as well. Yeah. And like your goal I, I was having a discussion a few weeks ago with someone about this is that exactly what you meant to do or did you slightly miss hit it because i think it was what you meant to do but the guy was like no no i think he miss hit it
4: so yeah the ground the girl was a bit wet um i would say that's i meant to obviously i didn't mean to put it at that place but yeah. i did shoot it to where it's like you know hard on to the corner and obviously worked out like i had this conversation with a of my friends and I, they think there was a deflection on it Uh, There was no deflection on just to make it clear The guy didn't (laughs) touch the ball So yeah Fantastic And I
1: mean it was such a crucial goal coming when it did At what stage of that game Did you feel Oh we can do this
4: I think when we scored the first goal um, It was It was such a good feeling And then we kind of like like, wow, guys, like we, we got this, you know, like everybody just got together. And, and if you see the way we were playing, like we were playing just so comfortable. Like we knew what we were doing. Like it wasn't nothing new to us. Obviously, a, it's a different feeling from obviously playing League One to playing a professional team. Like there's a huge step. And if you're not ready for it, like it's obviously going to go wrong. Um, But yeah, like she's having having the, the support out there i think that really helped us a lot like i think it would have been a very difficult uh situation if we went there to valor instead i don't think it would have been the same but yeah yeah, the support like just felt crazy so we scored the first goal and then we just saw everybody screaming like going crazy which is like which is used all that energy and then we just got back into it right and like
1: that game and then the pacific game by the end of that had that given you a big boost to your own personal confidence of look I can go and compete with these guys I can be at this level
4: for sure for sure yeah I mean you do it once and then you know you can you can be at that level and you can do it again right so yeah for sure I,
1: I won't dwell on this too much because it still hurts but that game in Victoria I just I still can't believe that happened
4: <laughs> yeah I mean we, we were I mean it's a tough situation we always you know how Pacific plays and how good they are um, we obviously believe we could have won that game if it wasn't for that penalty. Because I always see it wasn't a penalty. And then even uh, even now, like, the player and the referee now agrees with it. So it's kind of like, oh, like, come on. Like, we could have had a chance, right, to uh, play against, obviously, Whitecaps. That would have been an interesting game as well.
1: I know. And it's like, who knows? You could maybe... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, Victoria was not a, a good place, because um, if we go to the end of the season The Highlanders game yeah. That's another thing I just can't believe That that happened and we won't do uh, too much On that but I mean that still gives me Nightmares thinking about it just from commentating Point of view I don't know what was it like As a player on the pitch
4: I mean we uh, at that Victoria game we kind of just knew uh, We just needed to win that game so So we can be back Into the Canadian Championship right And having that to, to lose, like, last minute, like, two, we gave two goals away in, like, about 30 seconds kind of just, just hurts a lot, yeah. So, big, big. But
1: those are the things, I guess, they always say it makes you as a player, it makes you as a person. I'd rather not have that to help make me yeah. as a person and player, but, I mean, it, it is what it is. But now you're with Vancouver FC, so, obviously, you're signed to the end of the season. And you don't have to tell me the personal discussions that you've had, but I would imagine they've gone... We just want to see what you can do at this level for, for the rest of the year. What do you feel you need to work on still in your game to, to stick at this level now?
4: I think I just need to use to get, uh, sorry, I need to get used to the pace of the game. Mm. Um, just, just you know, having the opportunity that they give me. When they give me minutes, I kind of just come into the game, like prepare, you know, like, uh, and that's kind of what I did for the first game. Obviously, that was my debut and then kind of just get that over with, And then now we just move on to, you know, being myself, being the person I am, and then hopefully help the team, you know, uh, do better. right?
1: And it was a big win uh, the weekend, the first win in a derby uh, against Pacific, which, considering what they did to TSS, must have felt sweet. But it's going to be tough for the team to make the playoffs. But the belief seems to be there amongst the squad that you can still do this.
4: Yes, yes. Well, I mean... We we know the coach, like, his heart is into it, and then he puts all the players into it as well. So we, we're going to give it all for, for the club, right? What
1: is Afshin like as a manager? Because from, from the minute I first spoke to him last year when he, he was announced, the passion and the enthusiasm just shines through. As a player, having him behind you and encouraging you, what's it been like for you?
4: Uh, I've always said this to everyone who asks me this type of questions, I I look up to him. I know she's as a coach, but as a person as well, like everything he's raising to the club, like it's just just such a like, important guy into it. And like, obviously, I wouldn't rather have like, obviously, this is my first pro debut, and um, he gave me a chance, he saw what I could do. So it's a special feeling for me to have him as my coach, and then for him to give me the chance, right? Fantastic.
1: That's pretty much it. I'll get you to do a bumper for our show. Before I get you to say this, I I've been I I saw your video when you say you had arrived and you were introducing yourself. So I've been butchering your name for the last two years on commentary, haven't I? Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone ha- everyone has though. Like, uh, this is this is a few issues that came when I first came to uh, to Canada. Uh, obviously, I couldn't speak English, so people just changed my name, and I couldn't like oh you say this one instead right so i just stay with it and i'm just like you know what like just leave it like just leave it <laughs> how do you say your name Ivan. Ivan me here awesome
1: thanks so much man and no good luck for the rest of the season i don't know how much i'll get out to see you because i'm commentating up at ubc but i'll definitely be watching and wishing you all the very best you so deserve it and yeah i hope the rest of the year goes fantastic for you
4: thank you thank you so much
1: Fantastic to catch away even there and wish him all the very best as we said at the end there for the remainder of this season. Hopefully, he can show Afshin Gopi and Vancouver SC what he can mean to this team, get that extension into a contract for 2024, and maybe be joined by some of his TSS Rovers teammates in the process as well. But wish even all the best, look forward. ...to seeing them on the pitch in Vancouver FC colours soon. It is going to be a tall order though... ...for Vancouver FC to make the the playoffs this year. As I mentioned, still sitting 8th in the standings... ...12 points off the playoff spots. That loss for Pacific though has cost them a little bit... ...cost them 1st place in the CPL. Cavalry have now leapfrog into top spot. They were my tips, remember a few weeks back... ...to win the regular season... They now lead the way in 33 points, Pacific in 32, Atletica, Ottawa, and a fantastic run of form just now, up to third and 31, Forge in 31, Halifax in 29, they fill the top five places just now, they are the playoff contenders, York, three points further back in 26, Valor at 20, Vancouver FC at 17, look a little bit cut adrift going to be an exciting run into the end of the season. We'll have you covered all the way here on the AFTN Soccer Show. But we're going to turn our attention from the CPL to MLS next. As we'll get some of Har's thoughts on how the Whitecaps have been doing in their time away. Back on the pitch this past weekend as they hosted San Jose Earthquakes. Didn't go the way anyone had hoped for. And we'll be back chatting about that after this
4: hello everybody my name is iwan Mehia and you're listening to the aftn show
3: man rappeth, it. yeah it's my craft's mammoth madly blasting black sabbath while the young wash clappeth, bams damn parrots, copycat artists better follow what rabbit in the hole It catch carrots and I'm blatant, with a Satan, gonna waiting, have no patience, nae shaking nae hesitating, nae playing, nae faking the presentation nae escaping, when I'm painting the picture I'm vividly giving you pain but the game's not the same as it was in the days when we all were just gritty wee wanes. it's a pity, a shame go me listing these names, that I'm giving these flames. go me pissing on graves, cause I'm I'm living off page, I kill my old mates you eating half rat traps, fucking feeding half my scraps. White pod, I, I can a nap, suddenly I'm rats after I can't smash all your fine dance, Don't make me laugh. <laughs> Ha ha ha, you then I say don't you're not and I'm something you're slamming. I'm one with the fuck we on in the same boat. Give me your coat, better kiss your box. I thought you get lost in addiction for goat I thought you get poked with a a in the throat and then thrown in a hole. I'm a different foe. I'm a different foe, puff on my ritual slow. My vengeance biblical, soul, run for the hills if you know. They picked the shit in the show. Gave them a minute to go. They won, they listen and know. I'm a different foe. I'm a different foe, puff on
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our Artist of the Month for August here at AFTN from Glasgow, Scotland. It's the rapper Mog, with a song from his new album, his 10th album, X, coming out later this month. That was a different foe. And the, the last month, Harwell, you've been away. The Whitecaps have been playing different foes. You've missed two fantastic games against Mexican opposition.
0: That's it. It was great. It was.
1: I, I really enjoyed the League's Cup. I hope it's expanded and there's more games next year. Because they were back on the pitch this weekend, playing a more familiar foe. Yeah. Back to the bread and butter of, of MLS. Now... When I last spoke to you, you hadn't even had a chance to watch the game yet. I take it you still haven't.
0: No, and I okay. won't.
1: Well, we won't talk too much about the game.
0: I saw they lost 1-0 and Van yes. is still getting yellow cards, so that's all I need to know.
1: That was pretty much it. I mean, we'll we'll have a shortish Whitecaps part to round off the show. I'd, I'd hope to have an interview. It hasn't quite come off yet, so that should hopefully be in the I next episode. I wonder who could, that
0: could be, I wonder who that is
1: it, it could be a surprise or folk can probably guess who it might be with, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll hopefully have that in the next episode so it, it was a 1-0 loss to San Jose, the Whitecaps dominated, but they, they did score, they couldn't take their chances, your boy, Brian White, if I hear about his XG anymore yes. I'm going to explode, I don't care how much his XG is, if he's not putting the ball in the back of the fucking net, his XG can be through the roof.
0: Yeah, it's just a fancy stat. I mean, it doesn't get you goals.
1: San Jose's XG for the game was 0. 0.1. They won. And, and they won one now and got three points. XG so does No.
0: So if, if the coach says that, you know, we got the chances, we're creating stuff, we got the XG, I think it's something along those lines. That's great. But you still lost. So, if you go into the next game, you do that. Yeah. So, we seen we're going to lose 1 0 again?
1: I, I mean, I can't remember who it was now. One of the MLS West coaches early in the year had said, We won the game on XG. And it's like, Well, you lost the game on the pitch and yeah, you lost three don't points. Win, so... XG.
0: It's not a real stat.
1: No, it doesn't really matter. It's goals
0: scored and goals allowed.
1: I mean, San Jose, it was a smash and grab. The Whitecaps should have won that. And. I I won't talk too much about it. You think a long
0: layoff between MLS games hurt them?
1: I don't know because San Jose had a longer layoff. They were laid off for four days longer than the White Caps. <laughs> but I mean, there were some positives. They were creating the chances. Cordova is still looking sharp. White was getting in the positions but didn't score stuff. Larea looked really sharp, but didn't have more than a half in him. But you can see he's not on the same page yet as his teammates, which is understandable. Early,
0: yeah.
1: There was a few good balls that he played, or cut back, or crossed. What about in, Gold? But...
0: Gold's the best player on the team.
1: Yeah, but Gold's—he's got a tight hamstring, so he only came on for the last half hour, and he didn't look the Ryan Gold that he did before the break. Oh. That was concerning. I'm sure but...
0: the road trip and being on all those planes will help.
1: Yes, because let's get into that Because that was a costly three points to drop at home With seven away games now coming up They're sitting eighth in the West They're one point above the playoff line And tenth place
0: They have games in hand
1: I think Yeah, see, what they've got in their favour Is they've got a five point lead Over the eleventh place team Kansas City And they've got two games in hand on them So I think really you're kind of looking That there's four teams battling for three spots right now at the lower end of the west so as as bad as that loss was on Sunday because I was joking to Zach oh you're going to miss our end of season special now because he's away it's not quite as drastic as that because you look at the games that's coming up this next seven games are at Portland, Chicago, NYC, Toronto, Houston, RSL, Colorado so definitely winnable games in there bookended by Portland and Colorado, TFC as well are just a clusterfuck just now, so unless they can somehow turn things around that's three very winnable games, nine points we'll come to Portland in a sec they have three more games to come at home and something that always pisses me off not just with the Whitecaps, East Fife have done this, other teams I follow they talk about, oh it's a Fortress And then they go and they lose the game. But I don't know how you can quite call BC Place a fortress this year because they've played 14 games there. They've only won Mm. half of them. They've dropped 17 points at home. They've taken 60% of the points available. And that's a team that also just has one win and six points on the road all season. So Mm. that doesn't feel good enough unless they can now somehow win some of these games on the road. And I I talked there that there's maybe three winnable games there in Portland, Toronto, and Colorado for sure. But nine points doesn't feel that that's going to be enough from that stretch.
0: No, I think you have to get more points and maybe get some draws in there. I think two losses would be good and maybe three wins and, and we'll see what happens.
1: I mean, Houston's on fire just now, and they absolutely destroyed portland at the weekend and now the whitecaps go to portland on saturday i haven't been down to portland for what feels like so many years now and i can't go on this because i'm commentating on friday and sunday afternoon so it's i I can't make that game in between and and get back in time for it i think
0: chicago will be a special game because obviously benny lived there it's his favorite city he loves there they're going to spend an extra day there and you go to New York, and that's always a tough place to play because of the dimensions of the stadium. And I think if they can get a win in Portland and then go into that Chicago-New York run and have that momentum, I think that would be very key. But we don't really know what kind of Portland team we're going to see on that.
1: Well, that's the thing, because obviously Savarese went, which it's a shock and it's not a shock. They have been playing terrible. Yeah. He's taken them to two MLS Cups though and he's a, he is a really good coach but that performance on Saturday you won't have seen it but the highlights that I watched, they were awful and they've been awful in a in a few games. To make matters worse, their striker Jaroslav Nizgoda is out now for about nine months with an ACL tear that he injured in that Houston game so they're missing him as well. It's definitely not the timbers of old and it feels weird going down there and thinking, oh, I think the Whitecaps are favourites for this, but I think they have I to agree. be. I uh, agree.
0: Yeah, they have to be. They've done well there recently as yeah. well too, so they can win in Portland. Is there any concern with the wildfire smoke down in Oregon?
1: I don't think so, and I hope not, because I'm going down for a couple of weeks next month as well. So There's mm-hmm. a, a couple of wildfires in the interior, but it's down the I-5 quite a bit, so I don't think it'll get into Portland. So I think that should be okay. No they did have hurting. horrible air quality, though, uh, on Saturday, when I was checking all the air quality here and there. Theirs was not good, Now there was Seattle's. Hmm. I want to just to round this show off, just ask you about a couple of things that happened when you're away, whitecaps-wise. They
0: traded Julian Gressel. Yeah.
1: For weeks you asked about Julian's contract. As soon as you yes, went, they got rid of him.
0: Less than a week after I went. <laughs>
1: Who are you going to pester now about their contract? I'm imagining it'll be Vani.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> I mean, were you surprised that Julian went? I think we we spoke...
0: I was not surprised that he went. I was surprised that he was traded. I didn't think he was going to come back. I was surprised that they moved so quickly to move him because I had asked... I think there was a presser where I had asked Axel if they were going to trade him hmm. and then risk not losing him at the end of the season. And it sounded like he did not give that a thought, or that wasn't on his mind at the time. So I guess it changed. I understand Julian and his wife kind of sat down and talked about the future and what if they wanted to stay in Vancouver. I think this was after the LA Galaxy home game. And so that's maybe why it kind of progressed as quickly mm. as it did. So uh, it was good for the White Cup to be able to get something. And ultimately it led to getting Richie and Sam aboard. Yeah. So. A few dominoes fell, so it seemed to work out in the long run. And we'll see where Julian ends up where he signs long term. I don't think it will be Columbus.
1: What's your thoughts on Sam and Richie coming? Because we we haven't heard from you on that yet. Did did it surprise you to get both of them? Are you happy yeah. that we got both of them?
0: It surprised me. Um, it's always nice to have Sam back. He's yeah. here before, so we kind of know him as media. So it's good to see kind of full circle his return. Uh, I don't know that I'm happy or sad, or I'm not really bothered either way. Um, So we'll see how they fit in and what, uh, where they play on the pitch and how their fitness is, and what they can contribute down the stretch, how they do on this seven game road trip. And I'm curious to see how this, how this works for Luis Martins and and Jervain Brown and what their playing time looks like. And are they going to go into a reserve role and what happens to players because you can't everyone at
1: the same time. Yeah, I mean, Vanny has kind of said with the games coming thick and fast, he feels he's going to have to use the whole squad. But it's
0: yeah,
1: there's a difference between using the squad and keeping that squad happy, which is now what he has to, to balance. Just to round this off then, how do you see the season going? When we spoke the last time, I said I could see them making a push for top four. It would be tough, but I could see them getting there. You completely dismissed that. You got a bit of flack from some folk for for that as well. But they're now sitting 8th with 11 games to go. I mean, they still could get to the top 4 because they're 5 points off 4th with 2 games in hand. But they'd have to go on a hell of a run.
0: I will double and triple down my statement from earlier where I will reiterate there is no chance they are getting 1st spot. Spot. zero chance there's uh chances between one percent and 100 percent theirs is below it's zero. <laughs> zero percent chance that you are getting fourth spot first place teams. you got if you want to get up to fourth spot you've got to win three in a row you've got to win four in a row you cannot go win draw loss win draw tie win 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 you have to keep winning so like four wins then i might be convinced losing to san jose does not convince me i think mean, they'll be in a big fight to get sixth seventh or eight spot, but uh, fourth oh, spot pinned on the no bulletin chance. board. <laughs> no chance for fourth spot. Put that in the locker room. says no chance.
1: Do you see them being in the playoffs? Yes. Do you see them being top seven and avoiding the wild card game?
0: That's to be determined.
1: Do you think my ten bucks? Because you won't probably know about this. I put ten bucks on the Whitecaps to win the MLS Cup at eighty-one to one. I stand to make eight hundred and ten dollars. That's Caitlin's Christmas.
0: Yeah, there'll be no Christmas in the McCall household
1: this year. It's going to be like a Christmas Carol.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would put. I would put. I don't know. No, I don't think that's. No.
1: Well, Miami, uh, Miami's the third favourites to win it, and they're bottom of the East, languishing way out of the playoff places.
0: Yeah, but Messi hasn't done anything in MLS yet, has he? No. No.
1: Nothing. Oh, did you see somebody had a sign at the, well, you won't have seen this. Someone had a sign at the Whitecaps game and it said MLS Stats,
0: Messi, G, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah,
1: GA0, Tybert, 18. I thought it was goals against whilst on the pitch. I didn't think it was goals and assists. No, I I don't know. I'm
0: surprised they didn't get confiscated by security.
1: Well, it's a positive thing. It's just saying that Tybert's better than Messi, the Canadian Messi i don't know that's maybe pushing it anyway enough i'll let you get to bed i think it's me that's having the the tiredness rambles now you thank been, you yeah. for uh, yeah and i've got a coffee i am actually quite awake now which is not good at nine fifty two at night thank you for joining us i will hopefully Bye. see you soon i don't know exactly when but where can folk find your stuff online
0: on the internet
1: you always say that i'll plug you then hard journalists on twitter
0: Equalizer dot
1: Oh, do you know that they're riddled with chlamydia?
0: I do know that.
1: And In which it, team?
0: Which team went and cuddled them before the World Cup?
1: Probably England. Canada. Oh, so I, I, are, are you saying? No, I won't go there. <laughs> no, I'm
0: not saying that. I do not want to get cancelled.
1: <laughs> and for anybody, obviously, for anybody listening to the podcast, that's everyone. No one's watching this. Just Google what animals are riddled with chlamydia if you don't know. And I, like I am not responsible away. for your search engine history after Can I give a
0: shout-out before I go? Of
1: course you can.
0: I'd like to give out a shout-out to Jake Nowinski for his tremendous play this year. How fantastic it's been. I've not been able to watch last month as I've been away, but he was on uh, the podcast that St. Louis has, and it was really good, and I quite enjoyed it. So shout-out to Jake Nowinski. The best fullback. In the
1: West. You know he scores an own goal and gave away two penalties on Saturday. No,
0: he didn't.
1: No, indeed. didn't. <laughs> Someone gave away a penalty and it was number 22 and I thought it was Nerwinski because it was his number here and then I was like, oh, no, that's not Jake.
0: You watch your mouth, mister.
1: Anyway, thank you for joining us, Har. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with another episode soon. Might be another midweek show to allow Zach to get back from his secret holiday as to, to where he is. As always, check out our stuff, AFTN.ca. Give us a follow on Twitter, X, AFTN Canada. Also YouTube, AFTNCanada on there. Let's hope the Whitecaps can get something going on the road. Start this big impressive run-in that we've had for the last couple of seasons. We'll be back with another show soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And Mon the Caps.